Hi, welcome to DealCast. I'm Yining Su. I'm here with Patrick Harris, our energy and natural resources correspondent. Patrick, you've been covering the Central Asia region recently, um, especially Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, along with some of our other colleagues, uh, Zainab Mohamed Dost and Murat Basboga here in London, as well as Jennifer Shang in Chongqing. Can you summarize for us what's been going on? Thanks, Yining. Yes, well, it's difficult to summarize in one or two sentences, but the region has been somewhat of a nexus with political changes underway, as well as a wealth of natural resources that are untapped. And it sits between east and west with China, Europe and Russia to the north. So different factors are coming together to drive M&A and investment into the region. What kind of natural resources are present in, in, in the region? Yeah, you have oil and gas, uranium, copper, gold. So in terms of there's quite a vast array of natural resources that um, relatively untapped as well, because since the fall of the Soviet Union, there hasn't been much investment on the ground in some of these assets. So there is a potential for real value creation. You mentioned political changes. That's really interesting. Let's take it one by one, I, because I think the situation is different in the two countries. Um, let's start with Uzbekistan. Uh, there have been some major political changes. The president, uh, Islam Karimov, who ruled the country between um, the independence in 1991, passed away in 2016. And then since then, I believe, there have been some movement towards economic reforms. Um, I believe the ambassador to the UK, Alisher Shekhov, spoke to us. Yes, that was the basis of why we wrote the analysis that we did. The country uh, is wanting to encourage foreign investors so that it can revitalize its economy. In this case, the ambassador spoke to my colleague Zainab and gave a very detailed explanation of the companies and sectors in which they want to bring in this foreign investment so that they can drive that growth. What are the sectors that they're looking to privatize? Well, my main interest is natural resources. So there's lots of gas. Um, there's Uzbek uh, Nefty Gas is the national um, oil company. There's lots of uranium. There's lots of copper. But even outside the natural resources, in fact, especially outside the natural resources, you have companies like the National Postal Service, the National Airline, and the National Telecoms Company. So all these businesses, they're all basically on the market for investors to come in. The problem is, is putting those investors and advisors together with the government so that they can sit down at the same table and come to an understanding of what each other require in any kind of privatization transaction. Mm. We'll get back to that, but uh, for now let's move on to talk about Kazakhstan. I think the situation there politically is quite different. Um, Can you tell us why it's also under the spotlight? Yes. Well, if you look at Uzbekistan, you see a country that has undergone uh, a change in, in, in the old guard to the new. Kazakhstan is awaiting that. It's, it's nascent in many ways. Of course, in both countries, they're both buoyed by high commodity prices at the minute, oil and gas, and as well as, as well as minerals. And there is a drive to privatize in order to 
to realise growth and to, and to drive value. Unlike Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan has seen quite a bit of international investment over the last 20, 30 years. Yes, that's true to say there are Kazakh-focused or Kazakh-headquartered um, listed companies in London. There is the Russians have been very active in Kazakhstan. Lukoil, for instance, is very active there. The Chinese as well are very much active in Kazakhstan in, in investment. And then beyond that as well, you, you have Middle Eastern investors and, and other South Asian investors from, from India, for, for example. So yet, Kazakhstan has been open somewhat to investors for a long time, but it's always been on the Kazakhs' terms. Whereas now there's this movement towards privatization of Kazmunaygas, the national oil company, Air Astana, the, uh, the airline, and uh, Kazatomprom, the uh, uranium company. And those privatizations could either take the form of domestic listings only or international listings, which is the more likely route, but the more difficult route. At the same time, Kazakhstan has also had the same uh, political uh, leadership for many decades. Nizhatan Nazarbayev, who is 78 years old, has been president since the country became independent in 1991. And from my understanding, there's not really a clear successor or mm. succession plan. So that sounds like it's a bit of a challenge, a red flag potentially for investors. Yes, that, that's very fair to say. That is the key hurdle at the present moment for investors and M&A into Kazakhstan. If we take Kazmunaygas, for example, which we have recently published a um, analysis of in terms of the upcoming or planned IPO in 2019, there are many hurdles to that. But the, as said, the main hurdle is the succession issue. Firstly, it means that there are a few decision makers that are willing to pull the trigger on any large transactions. But secondly, it also means that, say, in the case of Kazman, I guess, were it to list today, at some point in the relatively near future, the man is 78, of course, there will be a change in government in Kazakhstan, and the share price will take a hit because of that. So if it lists, it will do so factoring in that future dip in share price into its valuation. So the succession issue, it pervades a lot of thinking at the minute in terms of when you're going to do these transactions and the end result. You mentioned some of the um, investors that are already present in Kazakhstan. Are they the same ones who are going to be looking at all of these privatizations that will be happening in Uzbekistan? Largely, I believe so, yes. You have um, some listed Western companies in Kazakhstan that understand the region and might be able to transfer that experience and knowledge to Uzbekistan. The Russians, obviously, understand the region and might look to do the same. But most importantly, probably, are the Chinese with the One Belt, One Road policy. They already have relationships and joint ventures and co-investments in Uzbekistan, but as it opens up, that will likely ramp up and there'll be further investment from that from that uh, quarter. And the One Belt, One uh, Road initiative, that's a Chinese government um, initiative to invest in infrastructure in Central Asia? What's the, what is it? Yeah, it, it's the policy to 
yeah, invest in infrastructure along the historic Silk Road between Europe and China um, in order to drive trade and, um, and drive China's foreign policy and such. In terms of Uzbekistan and, and Kazakhstan, the, the his, historically were yeah. the centers of the silk trade exactly and, and the silk road yeah and if investment say comes into Uzbekistan in terms of its transport links and its and its rail links that has a knock-on effect on the ability to invest in minerals because you need rail you need road to get to mines in the middle of nowhere um, but directly as well into the into the into the natural resources sector Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan have huge potential to export gas to China, um, as well as other minerals. But uh, yeah, and these investors um, coming in from from various places around the world. You've already mentioned some of the sort of potential challenges in this region. Are there any others that you'd you'd highlight? The chief challenge in both countries is reputational. Historically, investors have been burnt investing into the region. In Uzbekistan, for, for instance, um, Western mining companies have had their assets seized. By it, the state. By the state, yeah. And if that's the case, then it, it means that any other uh, companies now will be very hesitant about going back into the country. In, in Kazakhstan, if we take Kazmunai gas as an, as an example again, until last year, it had listed its exploration and production subsidiary, Kazmunai Gas EMP, on the London Stock Exchange. That underwent a very long and painful and acrimonious dispute between the minority shareholders and its controlling shareholder, Kazmunai Gas, that eventually the minorities were bought out last year, but it left a, t- a sour taste in the mouth of any London-based investors in regard to whether they'd want to invest again into Uzbekistan, into Kazakhstan, sorry. And so now if we look at Kazmunai Gas and its attempt to list itself, the, the parent company, on the London Stock Exchange, that reputational damage that has occurred will probably have a knock-on effect on investors. It's not helped by things like earlier this week, Shell pulled out of an agreement to buy a stake in Kazmunai Gas. And the reported reasons for that were that it uncovered deep corruption during the course of its due diligence into that transaction. So it's it's a recurring thorn in the side of Kazakhstan if they want to bring these companies to the West or to international investors, not necessarily in the West, it, that transparency and that adhering to international standards of governance is the other major hurdle alongside the succession issues we talked about earlier. Mm. That said, the countries do have massive natural resources, not just natural resources, but potential for growth in terms of consumer, technology. So for any advisors or investors that can manage to overcome these challenges, that can sit down at the table and can understand the country and how to work there there is massive opportunity and there's massive opportunity for Kazakhstan as well to bring in this expertise and this money that can help drive these industries thank you for speaking to me Patrick and thank you for listening check out our coverage of this exciting region on merger market which I believe will be 
ongoing. Of course. <laughs>